Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. <laughs> Sorry, um, not quite sure how to begin the show today really. There's not much going on, is there? <laughs> we might be hearing from Sir Keir Starmer later on. Uh, apparently he's still writing his uh, uh, victory speech, uh, which he's not obviously going to be making. Uh, we think he might be speaking in the next hour. If he, if he does, we will go to him. But let's face it, it is a beautiful day out there. Uh, we intend to celebrate the first week of May with a great deal of gusto this morning. After all, why wouldn't you wake up, look out at the sunshine and want to head into the weekend with a bit of a spring in your step? Unless, of course, you are Sir Keir Starmer, who woke up this morning with a massive headache after taking a pounding in the local elections and losing Hartlepool to the Tories for the first time in the history of the seat. That's right. The beleaguered Labour leader is now facing revolt inside his own party. And his answer is he thinks it might be time for a reshuffle. (laughs) Great. Well done. Fantastic idea, Sir Keir. Where were all those people that said he was very forensic? Where are all those people who said that the polls that were being taken uh, just before the election up in Hartlepool were wrong? Uh, Too small to be counted. Uh, Obviously, there's a problem in Hartlepool, but there's no way the Labour Party are going to lose that seat. Uh, Maybe what he should have done is listened more and talked a little bit less. Maybe he shouldn't have told that publican in Bath that he wouldn't take lectures from the likes of him. Starmer's leadership hangs by a thread this morning. He's proved himself at the ballot box to be even less electable than Jeremy Corbyn, for heaven's sake. The question I have for you this morning is this. Is the Labour Party actually finished? And if it's not, what is it for? 0344 499 1000. We'll be asking Brendan Chilton from Labour Leave. He was a man who, before this by-election in Hartlepool, said exactly what Labour needed to do. And guess what? They didn't do it. Coming up later on, Richard Tice joins me in the studio. The leader of Reform UK will tell us how his campaign went in London and whether his new party made any cut-through in the local elections around the country. They didn't do brilliantly in Hartlepool, uh, but we'll see whether they did any better anywhere else. We'll also bring you the latest from the fishing dispute where French trawlermen are threatening to blockade Calais next after being chased away from Jersey. I sense a long, hot summer of flares, of insults and of burning tyres. Sacre bleu all over again. Zut and all that rest of it. Uh, it's all over the front pages still. June Mummery's going to join us and talk to us about that. 0344 499 1000. Simon Calder is also here after 11 with his predictions on what countries Grant Shapps will put on the green list later on today. And we're joined by Talk Radio's own Kevin O'Sullivan with his take on the week and a look ahead to his big weekend of shows. As ever, of course, we need to hear from you. It's a big weekend coming up and we're already hearing that the mask debate is shifting away from compulsory face coverings. What are you seeing? What are you planning? Tell us and we can tell everybody else. You'll listen to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station in the land. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, this particular election result up in Hartlepool and what looks like a win uh, in the Conservative uh, majority of about 59 so far council seats up, uh, Labour 58 council seats down, 
it looks like what we've been saying here at Talk Radio is really cutting through uh, into the mainstream of politics and the mainstream of political life, because the most important thing that we have said for a very, very long time here at Talk Radio is that the Conservative Party and what Boris Johnson stands for is what most of the people of this country stand for. And so it would appear to be. They don't want people taking the knee. They do not want wokery taking over universities. They don't want wokery taking over uh, in schools. They don't want uh, anything like the kind of ridiculous culture wars, vandalism of statues, you know, shaming of the British flag, ridiculous um, attitudes being taken by organisations like the BBC. The people of this country do not want it. uh, And they have said quite emphatically in in the polls yesterday that they will not have it. It's as simple as that. The winning candidate in Hartlepool, who had a massive swing, by the way, away from the Labour Party, who have held the seat ever since it's been a seat in the 1970s, the Labour candidate storms off the stage, a Remainer who didn't really cut through at all with the populace of that part of the world. The winning candidate in Hartlepool basically said, they've had enough, we've had enough, it's time for change. This is a Conservative candidate operating for a Conservative government talking about a population of Hartlepool that are sick to the back teeth of wokeism, of Labour and of all the nonsense that Keir Starmer thinks is important, which it turns out it isn't. Let's talk to Brendan Chilton, head of Labour Future, and see what he has to say. Brendan, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Mike. Before we get into the discussion, can I just apologise for the way I look? Um, I'm in a, in a count in Ashford in Kent and right. we have to wear masks, so if you hear background noise and uh, see me wearing this ridiculous face covering, I do apologise. Yes. No, listen, I'm absolutely and utterly in, uh, in favour of you coming out and, and admitting that that's where you are. Uh, it's, anybody would think you were on BBC or Sky the way you're dressed, but I mean, you know, we don't <laughs> ask you to do that normally. But listen, Brendan, you're a man uh, that we've spoken to many times about Hartlepool before it happened. You wrote a piece about what Labour needed to do to win Hartlepool. They didn't listen to you. Instead, they put in a Remainer, a man who had already lost an election for them, a man who clearly is so upset that he wouldn't even give a concession speech and stormed off the stage. I mean, it can't be pleasant to be a Labour Party member this morning. Well, Mike, let's make no bones about it. It's a bloody disaster Um, to lose a seat that we've held since it was created, a solid, once solid Labour seat, now to have a 7,000 Conservative majority. We've got to take a serious look at ourselves. And I think it's high time the Labour Party stops this massive self-indulgence in issues that are not remotely important to the British people and start listening to ordinary, decent, working-class people and try and get back to a position where, once again, we are the party of the working man and woman, because, quite frankly, at the moment, we're not. Yes, well, quite right. I mean, the two questions I had this morning for you, Brendan, one, is the Labour Party finished as a a force? And I don't mean, does it cease to exist? I just mean, will it never, ever win a, a general election again? But if it, if it is not a spent force and if it is not finished, what is it actually for? I think on, on the, the latter point, what are we for? I think it's an absolutely crucial question that we need to answer because at the moment the Tories have that there are problems with the Brexit deal, but they have got Brexit done. There's been a successful rollout of the vaccine and the defeating of COVID. And now they're going to embark on a huge levelling up agenda, which is essentially old Labour policy. Mm, yeah. And the question Labour's got to ask itself is where do we go from here? If the Tories have occupied the centre ground on the economy and if they're dealing with the cultural issues and dealing with the major foreign policy challenges of the day, Brexit, what does the Labour Party do? Now we can continue to indulge and appeal to students and the trans community and all the minority interests and the cities or we can actually get our act together and get out there in the small towns of England, Wales and Scotland and start talking the language of the working man. If we do that, 
it's not beyond saving, but at the moment, the Labour Party is in a perilous position. To be in a position tonight where Labour councillors, and I, I have to say, a lot of good Labour councillors that actually do care for their communities, losing their seats because we've got a party not listening to ordinary people is a terrible position to be in. It really is. And I mean, it's interesting that Wales is the one place, and I haven't obviously seen all the results because they're not in yet, but Wales would seem to be the only place where Labour is still relatively uh, the, mo- the most important party out of all of them. And why do you think that is? Because Drakeford is not a guy, in my mind, and, and from, from the, the people who I talk to, particularly popular. No, I think it's right. I think there's an element there of incumbency. And in the same way that Boris Johnson has had a vaccine bounce in England, uh, the Welsh Labour Party, for their management uh, of the COVID arrangements there, may have experienced a bounce. Of course, there were problems when we had the silly scenes of uh, Tesco's uh, isolating certain areas of their supermarkets Mm. uh, where people couldn't shop. But on the whole, I think that probably the incumbency factor in Wales and a slight vaccine bounce for the Welsh Labour government has probably aided their holding on. Mm. And as far as Keir Starmer is concerned, I mean, this morning we're expecting him to speak at some point. We'll bring it to us uh, to to talk radio whenever it does happen. But I'm not quite sure what he's going to say. I mean, all the indications are that there's now a a sort of civil war going on within the party. Uh, The Corbynites are saying, we told you so. You know, we said he wasn't the answer. You should have stuck with Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, Richard Bergen this morning tweeting out that, you know, the the popular policies were still popular. Uh, It's just that we somehow couldn't get elected. You know, they've still got this kind of ridiculous... um, unreal view of the electorate you know they don't seem to get it and if Keir Starmer does stay on and he talks about reshuffling his cabinet it's going to make no difference at all is it you you, you cannot reshuffle the deck chairs on the Titanic mm. um, as we, we as the people of the poor people of the Titanic learned yeah. um, a cabinet reshuffle will change little about Labour's current predicament the problem is far more deeply rooted than that it is about the essence of Labour What are we for? Mm. What do we stand for? What do we believe? You can put the best looking, the smartest, the most intelligent people up there for us. If we haven't got substance to our ideals and substance to our policies, it won't matter uh, an inch. What we need to do, as I said, is get back to talking to the language and the aspirations of the self-employed, of working class people, of small towns. These um, students and sort of identitarian political people that sort of come into the Labour Party over the recent years. They're fly-by-the-night politics people. They're not loyal. They're not long-standing Labour people. I want to see Labour talk passionately about this country, love this country, from every little blade of grass to every grain of sand on the beach, to be proud of every individual business, whether it's a mum sitting at home making little cakes and selling them to her neighbours or someone running a major manufacturing firm. That's what we should be talking about. The patriotism of this country that's rooted in every community and every deed of every individual and not minute issues that, frankly, no one really gives a damn about. No, exactly right. Well, everyone's now referring this morning to that famous picture of uh, of Keir Starmer and Angela Rayner taking the knee. One of the most ridiculous political pictures I think many people have ever seen. And it could well be, you know, uh, his kind of obituary picture, really. This country doesn't kneel to anyone. Uh, It doesn't kneel to invaders. It doesn't kneel to bullies. It doesn't kneel to anyone that wants to take advantage of the aspirations of people. 
if the party wants to get back to a position where it can even consider challenging for government, we need to drop all that nonsense. Because frankly, it's nonsense. This country is not systemically racist. And we have had some Labour MPs over recent years uh, saying this country's got institutional racism and defending everyone that attacks this country uh, for our decisions on foreign policy or whatever else it is. If we spend all our time telling the country it's bad, it's racist, working class people are wrong, they should have voted again, and voted to remain mm. don't expect when we go knocking on doors for them to welcome us with open arms uh, you know no one that's been out on the streets campaigning for labor as i have uh, and who've been out listening to ordinary people uh, was anything other than expecting their last night's results mm. we frankly have got too much Hampstead and not enough Hartlepool yeah. in our party. Right, which is an incredibly uh, unfortunate thing to have to admit to, Brendan, because, I mean, in my lifetime, you know, you've had you've had Michael Foote, you've had Neil Kinnock, and the left basically say that the last time there was a proper socialist leader of the Labour Party, it was actually Neil Kinnock. But Neil Kinnock didn't get elected. And the biggest problem I think that Labour have got is that the only real successful politician that led Labour very successfully was Tony Blair, and they just don't admit it and can't admit it. Well, quite right. I mean, don't get me wrong, Mike. I, I disagreed with Blair on a lot of things, and most recently uh, his decision to back Remain and a second referendum. But the guy won three elections, mm. and for the first time under Blair, we had a national living wage that lifted people, including my late grandfather, out of poverty and gave him a good job. Yeah. It gave kids the opportunity to be aspirational and go to university, like I did. I was the first in my family. Mm. And that's the kind of labour we want, an aspirational party. When you look at the Trade Union Congress building, there's a statue outside of it. And it's of a man laying down, reaching up, and another man reaching out his arm to lift him up. He's not got any universal credit in his hands. He's not got any tax credits in his hand. Mm. It's an empty hand lifting someone up from the poverty and squalor they're in and raising them to a better condition. And if the Labour Party gets its act together and starts talking about aspiration and lifting people up and giving them a better future, we can start to recover. Yes, but it's not just talking about it, because I was watching Question Time a bit last night and there was a Labour Party member on there, uh, an MP, who was saying that, that she wanted to create a better place for children to grow up and for people to grow old in. But she didn't say how, and that's part of the problem. Well, like, it's all very well to well, say Mike, it, but you can't just say I, it and not do it. I, I totally agree with you, and I can tell you exactly how we do it. Uh, the Labour Party this year, in the middle of COVID, should have been calling for huge tax cuts for small businesses mm. and for working class people so that they can have more money in their pockets, so that now, as we're coming out of the COVID recession, they can be spending more, earning more, and getting on the mortgage ladder. We should be making a point that the personal allowance has been frozen, which is a real terms cut in people's incomes. We should be talking about that. We should also be talking about in schools saying we don't want all our children just to be focused solely on university. We need more technical mm. colleges and we need people going into manufacturing and industry. The Labour Party should be talking about actually expanding our armed forces where the government are currently cutting them. The Labour Party should be talking about secure borders instead of saying, oh, we need to be nice to these illegal crossings every day at Dover. If we start coming out with policies that reflect the aspirations and concerns of communities that we're meant to represent with ideas like that, I'd tell you, we'd jump forward 10 points in the next 10 minutes. I think you would. Listen, if, if Keir Starmer had got behind those people who haven't received a penny since the start of this um, lockdown because they're self-employed or because they run their own businesses and they don't qualify, uh, you know, the five million, um, you know, forgotten, if you like, freelancers, if they just got behind them, they might have, they might have held Hartlepool. Well, quite right. 
uh, because the, the Labour Party, you know, it bangs on too much, in my opinion, about the NHS and carers and all that. Yes, of course, we value them. We all do. But when you're going into a set of elections and the only thing we can reel out is, oh, let's save the NHS, you know you're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, why aren't we talking to the self-employed people? Because what Labour needs to remember is this. There is no such thing as public money. Mm. There's taxation from individuals and businesses. And if individuals and businesses don't do well, we can't pay for the public services that we all need and want. And so our entire orientation needs to move back to white van man, talking to the self-employed of this country, arguing for tax cuts for those small people, getting more kids going to technical colleges and into apprenticeships. We start talking about ordinary things that people matter about, then we'll start to make progress. Exactly. And I'll give you a tip, right, Brendan, and here's your next campaign. I've been doing for the last couple of weeks um, uh, occasional pieces about the GP surgery problem in this country, which is a national scandal, by the way, because so many GP surgeries are still not open to the public. People can't get appointments. People can't get to see anybody. They have to do everything over the phone. They have to do everything online. And there's a real problem uh, with healthcare in this country, which is not being addressed because there doesn't appear to be anybody in charge of these GPs. Now, the reason for that, some would say, is that the Tory party kind of basically told them all to run their own businesses the way they wanted. But at the moment, people are suffering. People are not, particularly the elderly and the vulnerable, not able to get to see a doctor when they want to. Some of them uh, haven't been open for a year, right? And if the Labour Party started to campaign on things like that, I think you would start to see a change. I totally agree. And we also need to end the nonsense uh, where you've got to know on what day you're going to be ill. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so you've got to get your appointment <laughs> on the day. Right. I mean, uh, as talented as you and I are, Mike, yes. I'm sure even we can't know that. No. Um, you're well, the answer right. for me is luckily, very rarely am I going to be ill. So I luckily well, haven't been, had to go to the doctor for years. Well, you and I are such fine specimens. We, we don't need to take on the, <laughs> these, these issues. But you're quite right. I mean, today is a very bad day for the Labour Party, but it's to be expected. Uh, what we need to do, as I've said to you today, is start talking about those bread and butter issues and not just talking about them, coming up with policies for them. More people Today, we, we do not live in a socialist country. Britain never has and never will be a socialist country. Mm. This country likes wealth. The people of this country like wealth. They want to get on. They want to earn their own wage and they want a good job. We get back to promoting policies that deal with those issues. Like I said, tax cuts for families, tax cuts for small businesses. Yes, making big corporations pay more because a lot of them dodge their taxes. But talking as well about getting kids into apprenticeships, why aren't we saying in schools, as well as English, maths and science, kids should be talking about business in little primary Mm. schools and in secondary schools to encourage more to become self-employed. And on the question of sleeves, I mean, I think we've over-egged that. Yes, we need clean government, but frankly, I've not met one voter on the doorstep that's raised it with me. Uh, So we've got to start listening to people Mm. in a serious way and stop listening to our members who, frankly, do not reflect society as a whole. Absolutely right. Well, Brennan, one final question to you. Has Sir Keir Starmer proved himself incapable as Labour leader? And if so, should he go? Mike, as you know, I've always been trying to be fair on this. I have, as I've said to you before, I think his leadership has struggled purely because he's, he has essentially been locked up. This was a test of his leadership. This was a first failure. We didn't hold Hartlepool. There's no bones about it. Um, what he's got to do now is turn this around. And he's got to turn it around within the next 12 months. Mm. And if he doesn't, ask me that question again then. OK. Brendan Chilton, thank you very much indeed. Masked or not, always a very, very fine man. Always a very uh, fine, a lot of common sense coming from him. And also, many people always say, whenever Brendan's on, that's the kind of Labour Party I would vote for. 
That's the kind of Labour Party that would actually be a proper opposition. And I'm like Julia Hartley Brewer. I'd love to see a proper opposition to Boris Johnson. You know, it may well be uh, that I'm laughing at Keir Starmer for his absolutely hapless performance and uselessness, and that's true. But equally, at the end of the day, none of us want to live in a one-party state. I mean, look what's happening in Scotland, where if you vote, no matter which way you vote, the SNP are going to be in government. Uh, It looks like in Wales, no matter which way you vote, it looks like the Labour Party will stay in charge there. And in England right now, and the rest of the UK... Boris Johnson doesn't look like any time is he going to go. The only thing that's going to bring him down is Boris Johnson himself. If it turns out he's done something stupid and he's done something wrong and he's broken some kind of code. But he's never going to lose an election to the Labour Party at this rate. Labour, in my view, as a party and as a force in politics, are done. Stick a fork in them, as they say in America. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, I'm delighted to say that sitting opposite me in the studio for the very first time, Mr Richard Tice. How nice to see you in person. It's absolutely fantastic, Mike. Thanks for having me. I mean, just... A, the studio is amazing, but yeah. just to be back in a studio yeah. is so extraordinary. Isn't it is it? a sign, finally, mm. albeit we're a lot older, yes. of some form of progress. Yes, exactly right. Last time I saw you was somewhere over near Borough Market, I think, a couple of uh, months, well, actually probably five months ago. I know. Because we forget how time has flown. Time has flown. When You're looking been... younger, by the way. Well, I don't <laughs> know how you do that. that. Maybe it's the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, no, I mean, this is, uh, you know, we, we're in the middle of sort of what's going to be two or three days of results, and yeah. it is it is quite extraordinary uh, what is going on yeah. really um, you know obviously Hartlepool uh, was very dear to my heart is yeah. very dear to my heart and, and you came very close to winning it last yeah, time yeah you know we came we came we really fought a massive massive campaign we didn't quite get there uh, you know I know it very well and you know I've been up there uh, at the beginning of this campaign before sort of mm. campaigning in London yeah what people were telling me very clearly and I could see the direction of travel was that basically they'd had enough of Labour's waffle mm. and, and words, yeah. but what they really wanted was Boris's money. Yes. They'd seen uh, you know, large cheques being given, being written, potentially mm. written to towns that have voted, uh, voted Tory in the north, yeah. and voters were saying, look, actually, I agree with you, but I need some of Boris's money, mm. so I'm going to go all the way across. And what, they, what they'd done... Labour voters, and, and you know, Hartlepool is a core, core Labour town, sure. uh, and an amazing town, Having sort of bridged over to the Brexit party for the European elections and for the general election and for Brexit to be done, yeah, as well. they sort of found that having lent their vote actually, a, it wasn't painful, and b, actually they realised, well, we can go a bit further mm. to make sure we get Boris's money. So this was all about getting Boris's money, and and in a sense, that's what uh, that's what happened. And, and you know, as, as you've said earlier, it, the Labour Party to to select as their candidates not only a Remainer who wanted a second referendum. But the other thing was they. There are two key issues in mm. Hartlepool. One was was it was a, a, the biggest Leave voting constituency. Yeah. The second thing was they lost their hospital. Right. And the bloke they selected, Paul Williams, was the guy who recommended the closure of the hospital. And he was a doctor, I think. He well, was a doctor. He wrote the report recommending yeah. shutting down most of the hospital's key services, and that's the guy they they yeah. selected. So they were just miles away from the reality of of what concerned. Uh, the well, good exactly. people of Hartlepool. I mean, you know when you're sort of introducing Peter Mandelson, the former MP, as an endorsing uh, a candidate, an endorsement for your candidacy, you kind of go, well, yeah. that ship sailed quite a long so time ago. I mean, to get that uh, that majority that the Conservatives have got is extraordinary. Mm. And, it, and essentially, all the rest just disappeared. So, and why sure, do you we would, we, I mean, you, put, had a, you had a candidate. Yeah, we had a great candidate, John Prescott. And look, we would have loved to have got more. He worked incredibly hard. But mm. basically, everybody wanted to guarantee 
that they got rid of Labour in yeah. Hartlepool. And so everybody else w was basically doomed. And so, you know, we pay the price. Look, essentially, we're creating a new brand, Reform yeah. UK, from a standing start at the back end of mm. a pandemic. And it's really, really difficult. Yes. I mean, we forget, it's only two months ago. We weren't sure these elections were going to take place. Right. So, uh, yes, we've got a lot of work to do. But what it's really interesting what is happening in, in politics, because... Uh, essentially, Labour have they've gone in Scotland. That's finished. Yeah, they're Done. not coming back. They're not coming back. Uh, they are disappearing fast in the north of England, mm. and so essentially, the north of England is now in play. Uh, for and all some sorts of the council of gains, which are being projected yes. at the moment, looking to be about fifty-nine gains for for, for the Tories, yeah. fifty-eight losses and, for and Labour. A lot of those are in places you wouldn't think that you wouldn't happen. think so. And we've we've gained a couple of council seats mm. in Derby from Labour, for example. Okay. So. And again, from a standing start, so you think, you know, there's, there's stuff shifting going mm. on. And it's really interesting because uh, there's going to be another by-election in Batley and Spence, yes. obviously a Labour heartland, uh, supposedly, um, where the majority has been much smaller than Hartlepool. And that's likely to take place most likely September mm. because Tracy Braben is, is probably going to win the West Yorkshire mayoralty and therefore right. she has to stand down. So that's going to be in play. So there's going to be a huge focus on that. There's we'll definitely be... a, a, uh, there's definitely an appetite, I think, for a change of, of, of view in, in the political landscape because effectively at the moment we live in a one-party country, don't we? A one-party state with the, the Tories look unassailable, right? Well, we, So if, we... you've got, if you've got no opposition to that, then you need to find an opposition to it, don't you? Correct, because, I mean, let's be honest, a one-party state is not healthy. No. And what we've seen recently with a sort of dictatorial, authoritarian... Uh, party mm. with an 80 seat majority I think it's now 81 seat majority yeah. uh, you know that is that actually is not healthy and, and the electorate won't tolerate that for that mm. long yeah and so I think that uh, you know the opportunity actually is emerging because what, what the Labour Party so what the Conservatives have done they've essentially drifted left mm. they are now the party of high spending uh, high taxation yeah. uh, low green growth, revolutions the, 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 a massive green agenda where the bills have not yet come but when the bills mm. start to come from uh, the taxes that Rishi has, has promised to increase in a couple of years' time yeah. uh, for everybody, including the lowest paid, yeah. um, when those bills come, when the, the bills come for the green agenda and they're on the left and they've essentially sort of t stolen the Labour Party's ground, that's where we at Reform UK see the opportunity mm. to the right of centre say, actually, we're the party of low taxation, yeah. simple taxation, high growth, personal responsibility, strong belief in mm. the culture and values of Britain and yeah. being British. We think that's the opportunity. But at the moment... And the things actually that a lot of the people who have moved over to the Tories in the north actually want, because I had an interesting call today from Dan in Epsom, who's a regular caller to our show, uh, and he said what, what he sees is a lot of people moving to the, to the Tory party from Labour, but a lot of older Tory voters yes. who have traditionally voted Tory not being that satisfied with what they're getting. It was, it was a very interesting call. I did hear it. And... I think the other thing, when the bill, when people have to start paying the, mm. the dramatic increase in tax bills yeah. uh, that we don't actually believe are necessary, we think you should be going for growth, putting the foot flat on the accelerator, uh, uh, you know, a bit like what they've done in America. Mm. They, they, you know, they've done a major stimulus package, uh, but the Tories are not going to do that. They're going to go for an austerity. And but they're putting taxes up in America as well, though, aren't they? Yeah, the, Although they they're now, lower they than ours. Now, they are now, but they are much lower than ours, and we haven't seen that. So, you know, it, it, the opportunity will emerge... It, from one to three years out. Mm. And let's remember, the general election is only three years away. Right. So, yeah, it's a very interesting time, but the the gap is going to emerge to the right of centre 
And I just don't see where the Labour Party goes. Well, I think they're eating themselves. And I think, you know, the more kind of concentric they become, and they they literally all end up in a church in Putney, you know, <laughs> which, of course, is no longer a church because they don't believe in religion, because <laughs> well, that would be so that would be well, awful. Uh, but, you know, there'll be 10 of them all sitting there going, what should we do now? You yeah, know, that's and, kind of and, the way it's going. And, 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 and as we saw, you know, the Met Police will probably arrest the preachers <laughs> for standing outside the church preaching, reading yes, from the gospel. Absolutely um, right. But, but that's this is, another but story. But this is the thing. I mean, I think this is, and this is an important point that I've been trying to make today as well, that this whole agenda is not at all in line with most people's thinking in this country. Most people could not give a stuff about whether or not there are 78,000 genders. You know, most people think there are only two. You know, most people actually tell their children, you know, uh, if you want to be a girl, but you are born a boy, uh, maybe we should have a conversation about that rather than actually giving them drugs to do it. You know, these are very minority issues and very minority interests. And most people in the country just want to make a living put a roof over their heads, as Kevin O'Sullivan said, have a holiday in Spain, have a, a car outside and have no problem from the government. Completely. And um, the, the thing is to remember, what do people talk about in the pub, the yeah. fish and chip shop, the curry house, you know, or in the home with a couple of mates yeah. uh, around a beer watching the football? And and, and the, tri- the Labour Party, uh, they, they haven't done that. They haven't checked out what, what, what those discussions mm. are for a very long time. And that's why they're completely losing the plot. And you know most people, as you say, they you know they, they want to be, make sure they can get a job. They're paying a sensible amount of tax, and as you say, they can go on holiday and, and do the things, but also have the freedoms to do that. Mm. And I think that's one of the big things. And, and, and nobody understands half of these woke words. I mean, no. who on earth knows what critical race theory is? For God's no. sake, I know. You know it's it's. It's just um, white privilege. What is all this stuff? Yeah, I know. You know no, no, no one knows. No one cares. Most people around the country don't actually know what does woke mean. Where yeah. did that word come from? Yeah, I know. It, well, lately I've been getting attacked by people who say I don't know what it means, and actually woke is a good thing to be, and therefore the fact that you think it's a bad thing shows that you're a bad person. <laughs> and I'm going, do you know how much I care about what you've just said? You know, put yourself in the bin, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. You yeah. know, most people are too busy to get on with their lives to actually sit around talking about this rubbish. Completely. And I think as the more that people in the Labour Party and the Liberals, uh, what they call themselves progressive, you know, actually the progress most people want to see is they want to know that they continue to earn a job, mm. uh, that they're not giving too much of that to the government, and they can progress to going back on holiday and yeah. to being able to, uh, you know, to, to afford to, uh, to buy a car when, when the current one, uh, you know, is, is, uh, is no more. And that's those yeah. are the key I mean, there things are some that anomalies, are really, really let's, talk, let's talk a bit about your campaigning in London because you've been running for for a seat. Um, I don't know when you find out how that's. You're yeah, finding out through the course of today and tomorrow. Look, the, the London Assembly and the mayoral elections. There've been a huge number of candidates, mm. and I so, couldn't believe how many. There's like yeah, no, nineteen it's a huge candidates number. So in London for the uh, for outside the main two parties. It's going to be difficult for mm. all of us because essentially the vote just gets massively uh, diluted. Yes. Uh, so and again, you know, we're, we're essentially relaunching the brand. Right. So we always knew that it was going to be difficult, but this mm. is the start of a journey. Uh, we've got but amazingly, see, next year in London, there are eighteen hundred council seats up for okay. grabs. So literally next week, you know, actually the work starts now mm. uh, for that. And uh, so, yeah, w- the results will be what the results will be. And uh, you know because that because the, that is the kind of the yeah because that is the kind of anomaly, isn't it? Where you have somebody like Sadiq Khan uh, who continually refuses to come on this show, and I don't think he's even been on the station, uh, but likes to go on other places where they give him a softer time. You know, a man who has who has run London into the ground, uh, who has ruined the streets of, of the city, uh, caused congestion all over the place with these low uh, traffic zones uh, and all of the bike lanes. Also, knife it's, crime up massively, it's, gun it's crime up massively. I mean, he, but yet he will be re-elected. He will be re-elected because London is a massively. Divided 
divided city mm. now. And he's actually exaggerated that division with, for example, the ULES extension that's yeah. due to come in October. I think there's going to be real trouble when those bills come in. Right. Because it affects the least well-off. You know, well, it affects the working man and woman. It affects the working man and woman who want to get on. And if you can't afford a a car that's less than five years old or a van that's less than five years old, you are going to get hit with some massive bills. So mm. we were hearing that big, loud and clear uh, during the campaigning. And yet he's going to, he's, he is going to uh, win, there's no doubt about mm. that. And, and is that the because the Labour is, machine in London is so good? Or, well, or what? It, it is very good. And of course, uh, you know, he gets a lot um, places like Tower Hamlets. And there were some extraordinary things we saw yesterday mm. in Tower Hamlets. Yeah. Uh, and, and some really grey areas of electoral law. So... Uh, We've always understood, and the Conservatives have always understood, that you can't campaign outside a polling station. Yeah. We went. We were doing a tour of a number of polling stations. I saw all a video over, from David Bull. David yeah. Bull, and there we are. We've got you've got Labour activists campaigning, handing out leaflets, showing people how to vote, and whilst they're queuing up to go in the polling station, mm. we spoke to the uh, the electoral services offer at Tower Hamlets. This is grey. This is it's it's very unclear. The Labour Party think it's allowed. Okay. Uh, the rest of us think it's not allowed. We, we will ask to get clarity on that because everybody needs to know whatever the rules. But if if that was allowed and sensible, why wouldn't everybody be yeah. there completely ha- harassing and absolutely? Handy? You know why would you? I mean, are they claiming? Weeks are they, just are they, the are they claiming that they're out there exit polling or something? Uh, no, no, no. no they're, 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 they're not claiming. They're saying it's within the rules to campaign outside a polling station. The other thing that really worries us, mm. and this is this is really important. So, for example, uh, is the the size of the postal vote. And yes, we've had a pandemic, and so the postal vote is big. Mm. But take Doncaster mayoral election. 28% was the turnout, mm. of which 60% is postal votes. Wow. So there we are in Tower Hamlets, waiting outside the polling station, and some gentleman comes along with a stack of postal votes yeah. in his hand right. to take into the polling station. Now, surely the clue is in the name. If it's a postal vote, why haven't you posted it? Yeah. Right? You would have thought so. Why, 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 why do you need someone? Than, also, why is there more than one? Why is there more than one? So then you think, then we hear a Labour councillor proudly say, oh yes, we've heard stories of other people pretending to be councillors, mm. going around houses uh, on the streets, um, helping people how to vote. Uh, and then saying, I can take it in for your postal vote. Right. If you want. I mean, so there's some, there's some really there's important... There's certainly some questions. There's some real questions that need to be answered. There's some clarity. Mm. We've got deep concerns around postal voting. The Labour Party, without question the best at having uh, essentially sort of grown the side yeah. of that. We saw some stuff that we didn't like at all in Peterborough in the by-election. Well, one of the stories that, that people were, were giving us a hard time about just before the election, they were saying, you know, um, what about all these Labour councillors have been suspended? What about this trouble that's uh, that's happening up in Peterborough? And, of course, we were not really able to go there no, before the election because we have people don't always understand it. You get an election well, period I, where we can't talk to people like you if you're a candidate well, unless we talk to every other candidate. I know, no, I know. It's, you know. It's, it's really difficult for you guys. I know you do your valiant job. Uh, to try and extract some common sense. But we were looking out on the street mm. yesterday and what we saw was not common sense. What we saw is practice that looks um, at best grey, yeah. at worst signif- seriously dodgy. Yes. And we will be calling it out and asking the Electoral Commission uh, to to give some proper clarity mm. so that everybody's playing by the same rules. That's Absolutely. all we, we want to do. We think postal votes is, uh, you know, it, it needs a, a serious look. Um, there are plans for, for people to have ID cards when you go into a polling station, because at the moment, you could be anybody. Mm. And again... I don't you know, see that why is, that can't happen. Well, it, it, it really should happen, yeah. because uh, otherwise, uh, you don't know who somebody is. Mm. And, you know, we, we're supposed to be the, one of the greatest democracies in the world. 
and let's stand up and be proud and strong and proudly be able to say, yes, we really are. Yeah. At the moment, from things I'm seeing, we are far, far from that. And they're asking for people to identify themselves again to a pub. I mean, you think you would want no. them to no. then interview them, to, uh, in, in, you know, identify well, them that's, to go that's into that's a, a whole different ballgame. Now, um, I wanted to ask you about that because that's one of the things that we, we also couldn't do, that you and Lawrence Fox are apparently going to buy a pub and open it up for the sort of the freedom. That's right. The, the, the Fox and Tice, we've got people combing <laughs> central London. Right. If any of your listeners have got some ideas, yeah. um, we were looking to, you know, as our commitment to reopening London to get the place going again, mm. We want to buy a pub or a restaurant somewhere that's got a license yeah. near the centre, yeah. and we want to brand it the Fox and Tice, and it will be the, it'll be the home of free speech, yes. of right wing comedy, uh, things that you can't normally do because of the woke brigade won't mm. allow you to do it, right. and where you can you can have your own tankard. Um, no, we think in, where where there only will there only be British booze, there'll only be British food, mm -hmm. and we're absolutely clear. No vaccine Couple passports. Couple of Union Jacks knocking about. Plenty of Union Jacks knocking about. No vaccine passports, <laughs> no masks, and open for as long as we possibly can be. And you and Lawrence uh, sort of got together, didn't yes, you, so, for this campaign? That's so right. So, will that continue? Yeah, so we, uh, we endorse each other. Uh, we get on well. And, yeah, once we see the results, then we'll have a, a, a chat and see what we think is the right thing to do mm. for the future. Because, you know, we know that actually there is a huge appetite uh, to, uh, to present a proper challenge, a, a, a challenge that represents the issues of, of freedoms, of belief in the individual, individual responsibility, mm. of, of proper British values and culture that seems to be completely lost. And, you know, Lawrence has had a huge reception. He was going around. It'll be interesting to see what, what he gets. But obviously, it, it's really difficult mm. campaigning in this. So, yeah, these are, these are key things. And, and we're going to be banging the drum that actually... We, you know, we don't need a world of high taxation, high regulations. Mm. Trust the people, trust the common sense, and actually, you know, put money in people's pockets. Yes. So that because, because the individual and the small business will always spend a pound in their pocket and get better value and more productivity than a bowler-hatted civil servant yes. spending this it on is your the, behalf. This is the worry, isn't it, about what's happened during the lockdown, that the government has, seek, has sought to become a bigger organisation, has sought to take more money out of the private sector, put it into the public sector. You know, people being told, oh, why don't you retrain and join the NHS? Well, what if I don't want to join the NHS? What if I don't want to be a public sector worker and I want to actually run well, my own business? Well, these are, these are the things, as we see, as we come out of, uh, you know, the hideous uh, COVID crisis and we see what's left, actually... There are, there are many other things, apart from re reforming the economy and the tax system, which we want to do. We've got to reform our public mm. institutions, our public services. Yeah, they need to work more efficiently and faster. And when people see the state of the NHS, mm. you know, actually, it is, you, you've got cancer patients, 400,000, who may have to wait a year yeah. for treatment. We know where that ends. Yes. Sadly, that does not We've end well. We've been talking to people for the last two weeks who can't see their GP, who haven't seen a GP for a year because the GP's not open. There doesn't seem to be anyone telling the GPs to open their doors and get on with what they're yeah. supposed so, to be paid so to So we're do. going to be coming up with proposals in the summer mm. how we need to reform our public services, in particular... Uh, how we've got to reform health, because we've got to be ambitious. Mm. Look, the reality is, why do we accept any waiting lists? Many other developed countries yeah. around the world, there's no such thing. Right. And and yet we've got people who are going to have to wait for months to see a consultant and then months more to get treatment, by which time the illness or something may well have got, sadly, yeah. far, far worse. It's totally unacceptable. We need to be ambitious as a nation and say we want zero, zero waiting lists. Right, if that's the objective, how do you get there? Mm. What do you need to do? So that's one of the reforms. And then I don't think people want a nanny state controlling their lives no, or a bloated, wasteful really BBC telling you 
what you've got to think. I'm sorry to talk about another broadcaster no, that's right. on your as fine channel. No, as long as you're disparaging, it's well, fine. <laughs> and, 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 you know, likewise, uh, there's other things we want to do. I mean, you know, the, the unelected House of Lords yeah. really isn't, uh, the, the, and it's the second largest legislative it's huge, chamber in the world yeah. now. Behind the, uh, the, you know, the the Chinese national yeah, there's Congress. fewer there's fewer people in the Indian Congress, you know, which has got billions of people living there. I mean, it's unbelievable. It, what about the pesky French fishermen? We've got to talk about. Well, that. I mean, this has been. I mean, it's like comedy it? time. Isn't I mean, it? it's it's just been hysterical. I had my I've got my app called Vessel Finder, and I was watching. We it were with all amusement. on that. Everyone it was, was on just it. extraordinary. And then as they got there, all of a sudden, about turn lads. Yeah. <laughs> but also, the great thing was when they sent their so-called military boat. They were, the, the Sky News people were, were playing this up like it was going to be the next. Sort of Battle of Trafalgar, right? They sent a boat which was made of wood, which belongs to the French Coast Guard, uh, which had less firepower than one of those ribs that goes up and down the river with a special boat service. You know, they were not going to intimidate two British frigates. It was extraordinary. Look, the reality is that I don't think they were being serious. They're playing to their domestic yeah. uh, electorate in France yeah. because obviously Macron's got huge problems. The idea of cutting off uh, another sovereign, yeah. part of another Incredible. sovereign state from election, utterly extraordinary. But it does highlight the issues of self-resilience, which we've seen in so mm. many different areas through this COVID crisis, whether it's we don't make enough of our own medicines, mm. we don't manufacture enough of our own vaccines, yeah. and we've allowed ourselves to become completely trapped by this just-in-time delivery. Yeah. Who knew, for example, um, talking of electricity, that literally the Chinese, they control the distribution of electricity across the whole of London, the whole of South East really? England. They could turn the lights out, mm. including in number 10, yeah. at the flick of a switch. It's owned by a Chinese company. And as you know, Chinese companies have to answer mm. when required to the Chinese state. So these are these, these issues, you know, who is in control? Right. And, and we as an independent sovereign nation need to be in control of critical parts of our infrastructure and critical parts mm. of our daily lives, including who actually controls yeah. the well, most of the power the companies are now not not British at all. I mean, Scottish power is owned by the Spanish. Uh, EDF, of course, is French. That's I mean, right. I don't think well, I, I, mean, I don't have to go to Dale Vince uh, and get Ecotricity. But the point the about EDF, British, was, uh, EDF sold uh, they sold UKPN mm. to the Chinese yeah. a number of years ago, and it's just completely passed us all by. Yeah. But actually, the French have done us a favour because they've highlighted that we must not allow our critical utilities and things to be owned and controlled by overseas nations. Mm. You know, because at a time of crisis, you've got to be in charge of your own right. destiny, folks. And if these are the kinds of things that happen when you have a one-party state because the government thinks they can get away with whatever they like. Like, I mean, people have still been having a go at me for Boris and his curtains. But, I mean, you know, if it turns out that he's scuppered himself because he couldn't say no to carry, you know, that's going to be the only way he gets out of office. So it doesn't matter if he doesn't get, if he's got a Labour Party, it's worthless. If he behaves like an idiot and does something stupid, he's gone. Yes, but actually, that, do you know, that just wasn't what we were hearing uh, out campaigning. There was just none of that. Oh, so I know people don't care about it, it but it matters of, if, he's done, if he's done wrong. It, it matters, uh, and it particularly, you know, it matters around Westminster, uh, but out on the streets, you know, people would um, are much more excised and they will get ever more excised mm. about how they run their daily lives, the freedoms they have. People are sick and tired of lockdown. Yeah. They want out of it. They want these, well, a big chunk of people want the masks off. I'm still astonished. Yeah. How many people coming, who've been vaccinated yeah. are still walking around with masks on, utterly terrified, uh, you know, because of the because continuing of propaganda. The prop yeah, propaganda awful. But, you know, I, I think it really is important that, that as we go forwards, you're saying, no, we're in charge. We can make these decisions mm. ourselves. I think all this nonsense with Boris, it irritates, it irritates us all mad, yeah. but it's priced into Boris. Yeah. And actually... 
people sitting in a pub, they're having a chat, they're talking about why they're going on holiday, and they think Boris is a bit of a laugh. Yeah. But they know what whatever anybody thinks of Boris, you know, he does believe in in Britain. He does believe that we're a great sovereign nation who you know who can do well. And mm. we believe that, you believe it, we at Reform UK believe it. On that sense, you know, we're all alive. I did say yesterday, I can't imagine Theresa May sending two gunboats to Jersey, can you? No, not... I mean, That would not, never have happened. No, no, Except not a, a meeting. Not a cat in hell's chance. <laughs> uh, she, you know, she, she wouldn't have known how to spell gunboats. No, exactly so, right. Uh, no, it, it was, was extraordinary. I actually think the French have done us a favour. Mm. It highlights that we can't be dependent on other sovereign states to decide whether or not we can turn on the lights in the mm. morning. It's just completely unacceptable. Absolutely. Got, and it, it's the same with, with our nuclear power stations. We shouldn't be letting the Chinese design, operate, finance and build these things, for heaven's sake. We've got to do that ourselves. Mm. I mean, that's the definition of utter madness. Mm. And, you know, you've heard Nigel talk about that. We'll be talking about that. These are the risks uh, to, to, to the strength and independence of a sovereign nation. And we've got to control all these things ourselves. It's, it's, it's unacceptable to be over-reliant you know, on critical things uh, to overseas nations, however much we may love them. We all love going on holiday in France and drinking a bit of French wine, mm. although the quality of English wine, of course, it is, is. is improving. I am just slightly disappointed, sitting here in your glorious studio, yeah. that there is no... Uh, bottles that we could taste because very often during the week you're tasting well, well you should have come here you should have been here yesterday well i wasn't invited well though. all right well we'll do it next thursday if you like we'll be doing plenty of that we've still got some in the fridge actually richard tice uh, talking an awful lot of sense you see if you think just because the labor party's dead and buried politics is finished it's not there's a whole new chapter opening up there's a whole new era opening up and we'll be with it every step of the way here at talk radio richard great to see you The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, it's been quite a week for the royal family, hasn't it? Because we, of course, have had the 10th uh, wedding anniversary uh, of William and Kate. Uh, We've got Archie turning two. Uh, We've got a picture that they put out, which was apparently attacked by uh, those people who are fans of uh, uh, Meghan and Harry over in California because it was a sort of a royal family picture wishing Archie a happy second birthday. People were saying, well, haven't you got any pictures of Archie on his own with you? Well, because hardly anybody's seen pictures of Archie. Uh, it's been quite weird. Uh, also, we learn lately uh, that uh, the, uh, the Sussexes, or the Duke and Duchess of Netflix, as I prefer to call them, uh, have been starting to move the markets in share prices uh, for some of the vaccination programmes and vaccination companies of this uh, great world of ours. Let's talk to Charlie Ray, former Royal Editor at The Sun. Charlie, very good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome. Good afternoon, Mike. Now, just when you thought it was safe to leave them alone for a bit, you know, um, it's been a busy old week for, for, for Megs and Harry. started off with uh, with old Haz doing his bit with J-Lo on the stage, and then she announces she's got a children's book coming out. I mean, it's sort of endless. It's it's relentless, isn't it, this publicity machine? Well, it is incredible. And I, and to me, when I heard that she'd written a book called The Bench based on the relationship between Harry and his son, you think, well, hang on a minute. You've you've got rid of your own father quite happily, and you're doing your best to get rid of yeah. Harry's father out of the scene as as well. I, I, I'm sure that none of that's in the book. Yeah, um, no, I, I missed a trick be, be, before when we were talking about it the other day because I, I I should have referred to it as the plank, which would have been more appropriate, really. Yeah, it, it is. Yes, I mean maybe she will do a follow up and do something called the plank. Mm. Yeah, you never you never can tell. I mean, you know, they've just released this picture of Archie. Uh, to be perfectly honest, it's a sepia picture. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, the thing that's, that's quite remarkable is you can't see his face no. again. I don't I think, think we, have we, I mean, we've only ever seen his face once, I think, haven't we? 
We have, and that was when he visited uh, with his parents Desmond Tutu in Africa. Of course. And so far we've seen his hand and we've seen his foot and now we've now got the back of his head. Yeah. I just hope one day we don't actually have to compile an identikit picture because we're going to be completely <laughs> lost. Well, I mean, it might not even be him. I mean, I don't wish to cast any aspersions on their... Uh, uh, but, I mean, they, every picture that they put out has been very carefully choreographed, hasn't it? We saw the one where yeah. where, where, where uh, Harry was kind of cradling her when she announced that she was pregnant. You know, we've seen the other ones that are very much in love. You know, it's all terribly well-managed, isn't it? It is. I mean, this could be a stunt double for all we yeah. know. <laughs> Well, exactly. It could be. It could be any. I mean, you know, it could be anybody's kid. I mean, she's already been facing uh, suggestions that she may have uh, uh, found a similar book, which was also about a bench and a father's relationship with his son, uh, that was written by an English author some uh, years ago. She says the English author uh, that she doesn't see any similarities, but I do. Uh, well, I don't because I mean, I don't. I, I haven't read the uh, the original one. No. I'm certainly not going to be bothered reading the, uh, the <laughs> Megan Mark. One, to be perfectly to be perfectly honest it's not going to be required bedside reading in my house um but yeah i, I mean it's it's just never ending with with these two they just keep on and on and on and as you quite rightly say we had harry at this vax concert yes you know demanding de- demanding that we have e- equality of vaccines for around the world and all it seems he have to have done is he's wiped millions of pounds and dollars off share yeah. price. Which, I mean, I suppose I was saying to somebody here earlier, I mean, I suppose as much as that's a ridiculous thing that they've done, um, I suppose it does show that they're still quite influential. Well, they are influential, but I, I maybe, for, forgive me, but I actually thought what we were trying, we, the, the sort of first the royal world, we. were all trying to help other countries that couldn't afford it to be, to be perfect. And I thought we were dishing out vaccines, uh, you know, as well to help help out now that we've got most of our country yeah. vaccinated. Well, exactly right. But, I mean, it's also it's indica- indicative for me of where they want to go. You know, they, they've become so um, uh, impressed with themselves that they think that they should pronounce on almost everything that's happening. You know, so if they wish to, you know, echo what Joe Biden says, they issue this grand statement and say, this is what everybody should be doing. And it's kind of like, well, I'm sorry, but nobody actually asked you. You know, no. nobody actually asked Meghan Markle and Prince Harry what they think about what's going on in the world and what should be done. And, and Mike, don't we go back to the original point of we're fed up with the royal life and we just want to be private people and live a private life without you nasty tabloid people, uh, you know, doing anything to, to us and everything. But they seem to be invading their own privacy every minute of the day. Well, exactly right. But I see that she's also won yet another step in the uh, in the case against the Mail on Sunday by the looks of things. I mean, whoever this judge is, he seems to be very much uh, in thrall uh, of Ms Markle, doesn't he? Yes. Yes, I mean, the, the second part of that judgment uh, on the copyright issue, he is he has awarded to Megan. But it's also interesting that her former communications uh, 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 press officer, yes. a guy called Jason Knuff, mm. or Nuff, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Uh, I've had Knuff of her, that's what I can say. You know, he, has had, he certainly has had Knuff of her. That is for certain. I mean, he's written... Uh, basically saying he did everything he could to protect her while she was a member of the royal family, you yeah. know, like taking on the nasty tabloids and trying to help, the, you know, smooth things over with the father and mother and everything else. Mm. And it's interesting that it is it is being claimed that he is the one who made bullying allegations or bullying claims against Megan. Yes. So, you 
you know, uh, it was interesting. This was going to be in a package of legal documents which weren't put before the court because the judge decided on a summary judgment. Mm. So there was no need. So, you know, as we both know, Mike, this is going to continue to run and run. It will. I just, I just hope that the Queen, um, Charles, uh, Kate and William have actually got a picture of Archie somewhere that's up to date. They can actually see his face so they can actually have a look and see what he actually looks like. Well, you know, it could be old-fashioned, but I don't see why they wouldn't do it. Charlie, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Charlie will be on Talk Radio, I'm sure, over the weekend, uh, talking some more about this couple who just want to hide away so nobody ever bothers them ever again. I don't know who that uh, would be. It's certainly not uh, old Haz and Megs. Talk Radio. Across the UK. Online. On DAB. And on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.